Welcome to Sojourn. We're grateful to uh, be able to gather together this morning here on our second Sunday of the new year. Uh, if this is your first time here, as, uh, as Evan said, we're just uh, grateful and glad that you were brought here this morning, whether that was through the invitation of a friend uh, or you're just looking for a church or maybe you stumbled in here this morning just thinking, man, uh, what is this whole church thing about and this Jesus thing about? I want to come check that out. But whatever reason uh, that God brought you here today, if this is your first time, we're just thankful that you're here and would love to meet you. My name is Justin, I'm one of the pastors here, uh, and I will be at the Connect meeting that I'll tell you about a little bit later at the end of the service, and would love to chat with you there to get a chance to meet you today. Uh, we are uh, in starting a, a new series this morning, and so uh, as we do every week, we preach from the Scriptures, and so we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. So if you need a Bible, though, would you just raise your hand? We're going to have a group of people bring uh, Bibles around, so just keep your hand up until they find you. Uh, we, we believe God's Word is super important. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning and over the next few weeks, and so we want you to actually hold a copy of the Scriptures in your hand. I know that we put it up on the screen, uh, but there's something about actually having it in your hands uh, that we believe is important for you. And if you don't actually own a copy of the Bible, please take that with you. We'd love for you to take that home as a gift from us to you this morning. You know, as we begin a, a new year, uh, we find ourselves in uh, ourselves in a challenging time, challenging time in our world, challenging time in our own lives. There's a lot going on, a lot that's difficult, a lot that's confusing right now. Whether it's the, the, the ever-changing and sometimes seeming rapidly changing cultural landscape of our own country, or the increasing world tensions that we see bubbling up more and more, there's a lot going on. There's challenges we face within our church. There's challenges we face within our relationships with others. There's challenges we face just in our own lives, in our own hearts, things we're wrestling with and struggling with as we begin this year. And as we begin this year, we recognize that there are so many influences, so much information around us all of the time that is given to us in a, in a way to help confront or combat those challenges and difficulties that we find ourselves in. Lots of voices, lots of different things that are clamoring for our attention, clamoring for our allegiance. I mean, we just came off of Christmas, and that seems to, to have some of the most noticeable and heightened sense of that. Things clamoring for our attention and our allegiance. We, we know Christmas is all about Jesus, yet so often we get sucked into the consumerism of our culture, which has really, unfortunately, become the reason for the season. But I think if we're honest, if we're honest, even as we can sit here this morning and say and acknowledge the fact that there's so much going on around us, so much that is clamoring for our attention, oftentimes we don't even recognize the influence and the things that are speaking into our lives, that, that are calling out to us and want our hearts and want our minds, things that want us to find our identity in them, things like happiness or self-image or entertainment, politics, relationships, jobs, whatever it happens to be, these things, sometimes they're good things even, but we don't recognize how much influence they have on our lives. As we begin a new year, we recognize that we are an easily distracted people, an easily distracted people. I know this is true in my own life. It's easy for my mind and my heart to wander or worry. And as we begin a new year and there's many things going on, it's, it's easy for me to seek after comfort and peace and, and all kinds of things in other places and not in the one place and the one God who can give that. I was reminded of a quote as I was thinking about this this week, a C.S. Lewis quote that some of you may be familiar with. C.S. Lewis, in the beginning of his book, Weight of Glory, says this, It would seem that our Lord 
finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. As we begin a new year, I want to call us back to something that is so simple and so basic, yet oftentimes gets so marginalized in our pursuit of joy, in our pursuit of peace and contentment and life. I want to call us back to the Word of God, to the Scriptures. See, our vision as a church, our vision as a church, the reason that Sojourn Church exists is that we exist to, to glorify God by making disciples who, who know the gospel and who live out the implications of the gospel, and who share the message of the gospel. Everything we do as a church is founded on the life-changing and life-shaping reality that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who came to dwell among us, who took on humanity, who went to the cross as a substitute on our behalf, bearing the wrath of God for our sin, and rose again from the dead, destroying the damning and destroying effects of sin in our life. He defeated Satan. He defeated sin. He defeated death. That's what this church is found on, that life-changing, life-shaping reality. And the reason we know about that is because we have the Word of God. Because God has spoken to us. He's given us that. And so if we as a local church are actually going to be faithful to our vision, to making disciples, to glorifying God who know the gospel, who live out all the implications of the gospel, and then take the message of the gospel out to our neighbors and the nations, we have to come back to the word of God. We have to be a people of the word. So starting today and over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to jump into the year by diving into the scriptures to talk about the scriptures. And this is so important to us, so critical for us as a church as we begin this new year and where we're at in the life of our church that we also are going to change up a few things in how we do community groups for the next few weeks as we start those back in a few weeks. And I'll tell you more about that at the end of our service. Sojourn, we live in a deteriorating and distracting culture, full of information, But in all that we're bombarded with, with all the information that's given to us, all the ways that we can live our life, all the things that offer us hope, there's nothing really that offers us true hope that's timeless, that's life-giving, except the Word of God. So with that, let's pray and jump into the Scriptures this morning and just reflect on the glorious, the gracious gift we have in the Scriptures. And I hope that our hearts are encouraged today, so pray with me. Father, I'm grateful to be able this morning to stand up here to preach out of your word. And Lord, it is a, an amazing thing, a humbling thing that, that I have the opportunity, that I have the, the, the privilege, the joy to do this because, Lord, I am weak. I, ha- I have nothing in myself to offer anyone here this morning. But, Lord, you are strong. And we believe that your word preached is effective We believe your word preached changes our lives. We believe your word read and and digested and taken into our hearts and our lives will transform us. And so, Lord, I pray that even as we open up your word this morning to talk about your word, that you would blow us away by your grace, by the gift it is that you, the God of all creation, has spoken to us. Lord, encourage us this morning for your glory and for our good. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We'll go ahead, if you haven't already, and flip open to 2 Timothy chapter 
3, 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to look at a few verses this morning. So I'm going to begin by reading, uh, starting in verse 14 of 2 Timothy 3, uh, through the end of the chapter. This is what the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy and to us. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. There is a lot of stuff going on in this text, in these few verses that Paul writes, so much so that what we're going to do is we're actually going to take the next two weeks to look at what Paul is saying here. I want, us to, I want us to see and I want us to savor all the goodness of what God gives us in these few verses. But this morning, I just want us to start by walking through it and focusing in on one particular aspect of what Paul says here. So let me give you a little context about what's going on. If you were here uh, in the fall, we, we talked and walked through several different texts in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, and we learned from that that Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. Timothy is a, a young man, a leader in the church, a pastor in the church that Paul has seen raised up to to pastor and lead uh, the church. And so Paul is writing to him kind of as a a mentor into Timothy's life. And at this time, Timothy is struggling as a pastor. He's struggling in ministry because there's a lot going on. There's a lot of influences, cultural influences, difficulties, challenges that are going on in the church that he pastors. And there's a lot of false teaching that's starting to creep up within the church. And so Paul is writing this letter, the second letter that he writes to Timothy to encourage him. He wants to encourage Timothy. He wants to remind him of what he knows to be true. He says, as for you, Timothy, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. These false teachers and false teachings that are seeking to distract you away from truth, don't do that. Continue in what you know to be true, Timothy. Come back to that truth. What, what I taught you, Timothy, what I, Paul, taught you, what your family taught you, We learned earlier that his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice have had a huge influence in Timothy's life to train him up in the faith. And what's the content of what he knows? It's who God is. It's who he is, who he himself is. It's the good news of the gospel. Timothy, this is what you've always been around. This is what you've always known. I mean, what a blessing for Timothy in his life that he grew up hearing the truth of God. But notice what Paul says the source of this knowledge is. It isn't just what Paul has said to Timothy. It's not something that Paul made up on his own. It's not what his family has just taught him that they made up on their own. No, Paul says, Timothy, remember the sacred writings that you've been acquainted with since you were a child. He's pointing him back to the Scriptures. The Scriptures are the source of the information that Paul has taught and his family has taught him. And Paul says that it's in these that one is able to become wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, through the sacred writings, through the scriptures. Now, this is really critical for a few reasons, not just for Timothy, not just for the church that he pastors, but for you and me this morning as well. Because, you see, it's from the scriptures that we understand that there is a holy God who we are estranged from. Because we have chosen to go our own way, to live our lives the way that we want to, to not submit to God as our Lord and King. It's from the Scriptures that we understand that we need rescuing, that we need to be saved from our rebellion, 
Because as God says in Genesis, the consequence of our rebellion and our sin is death. It's from the Scriptures that we understand our means of salvation and rescue. That we can't save ourselves. But that what God demands, He gives. What He requires, He provides. It's from the Scriptures that we learn that God is not only holy and mighty, but He's also Savior. Now something else we need to to see here is that when Paul is talking to Timothy about these sacred writings that will make him wise to salvation, to continue in those, he's primarily talking about the Old Testament, what we refer to as the Old Testament. But this tells us something else that we could learn this morning. Because you and I have the whole Bible, what we know is that the only means of salvation is Jesus Christ. So what Paul is saying right here to Timothy is, look, Timothy, he's making you wise to salvation, the Old Testament, which means all the Old Testament is about Jesus too. It all points to Christ, our Savior. And so like Timothy, you and I have to come back to these truths over and over and over again because we so easily forget them in the midst of a culture and a society that so easily distracts us. Now, you may think this morning, but why is this right? Why do we have to come back to the Bible? to the scriptures. I mean, there's lots of good books out there. There's, there's lots of even religious books that we could look at and, and refer to and, and, and things that even talk about how to live a good life, have a good life, even books and writings that talk about salvation. So Paul, thinking along those lines, makes a definitive statement in verse 16. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Now, now that statement should stop us in our tracks. Whether we're familiar with it, some of us have heard that before. We, we've read this text before. We've heard it preached before. We've studied it before. Some of you may have never heard it before, but no matter where you're at on your spiritual journey, whether this is new information for you or old information for you, it should stop us in our tracks, and we should consider the significance of what Paul's saying here. All Scripture is breathed out by God. So, so what is Paul talking about here? See, this phrase, breathed out, is translated from a single word that means, uh, that literally means God breathed. And and many people think that Paul actually coined this phrase. It wasn't in circulation. People didn't use this phrase that Paul came up with. But we do this all the time in our culture, right? We come up with words to try to explain things. You know, ginormous hasn't always been a word, right? So we, we came up with that word. But because we're trying to explain a concept, to explain a situation. The word hipster, right? I mean, that hasn't always been a part of Some people say it's been around for a long time, but, but I don't really think it's been around the way we use it today. The word hipster. It's a word we've used to describe a cultural phenomenon, a subculture. So I looked up the word hipster. Hipster means, according to dictionary.com, a young person, usually, who is trendy, stylish, or progressive in an unconventional way. Someone who is hip. Now... <laughs> What it means for us, though, right, is it's, it's a subculture of people who are young and cool and countercultural and fashion and thinking, and no hipster actually likes to be called a hipster. Now, this is an interesting thing also, just for, for kicks and giggles. Uh, the, the British English word hipster, though, actually refers to hip hunger underpants for women and girls, so take that for what it's worth. But anyway, the point is, is that Paul has coined this phrase. We do this all the time. We come up with phrases to try to explain things. So he's saying, look, how, how, can I, how can I relate this concept to you? I want you to wrap your mind around this. All Scripture is breathed out by God. It's God-breathed. It's, it's not about its effect. It's not about its nature. It's about, it's about its origination, where its source is. 
Paul's saying all of the source of all of Scripture from beginning to end, every aspect of it, every word of it is from God. He literally breathed it out of his mouth. As you and I go, we can understand breath. We can go out in the cold weather and we can literally see the effects of our breath coming out of our mouth. That's what Paul's trying to communicate here. The word of God, the scriptures we have, God literally spoke those and gave those to us. That shouldn't be surprising to us because God has always been a verbal God. In Genesis chapter 1, we learn that God spoke creation into existence out of nothing. The author of Hebrews says the same thing in Hebrews 11.3. He says, by faith... We understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So when Paul says all scripture is breathed out by God, he's saying all of it. And at this point, that includes the whole Old Testament. But by implication, it also includes the New Testament. Because even at this point, Paul's own writings are being referred to as scripture. Peter says so in 2 Peter chapter 3. Paul himself references Luke's gospel as scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Every text of scripture, every word written came from God. Now, we know, though, that that men wrote down these words. Peter wrote, Paul wrote, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Moses. There's lots of different authors of what we refer to as books of the Bible. So, well, how does that actually work? If God spoke those things, then how does it actually work together? Well, Peter gives us a clue to that in 2 Peter chapter 1. In 2 Peter 1, 19-21, Peter says, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Peter's calling us back to the word, to be a people of the word. Pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Why? Because for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So what we see here is the, the aspect of personality and language of the authors is present, but God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, has given them what to say. Now, we don't know exactly how that works, and that's okay. We need to be okay with mystery. So I think oftentimes in our culture today, we don't like when things aren't tied off in a nice, neat bow, when you can't explain everything. But our ways are not God's ways. Our thoughts are not His thoughts. So we can see this and say, I know that by the power of the Spirit, God has worked in and through the agency of man. But God often does that. If we look at evangelism or preaching, Jesus Himself took on humanity to rescue the world. God often works through the agency of man in the world He's created. All Scripture is breathed out by God. I mean, this is a game-changing statement. Every word of Scripture is from God. What that means for us is if you want to know what God says, if you want to know what the living God says, you don't find it in signs and symbols. You, You don't find it in dreams or visions. You don't find it in feelings or emotions. You come back to the Scriptures. We must come back to the Scriptures. Because see, it's in the scriptures that we learn about God. We learn about his character and his nature. We learn about his plans and his purposes. It's in the scriptures that we learn about humanity. We learn about ourselves. We learn about who we are and where we've come from and where we're going. It's in the scriptures that we learn about the problem of our sin and the resolution and rescue that comes in and through Jesus Christ alone. His life, his death, his resurrection. 
that is ours to take by grace through faith. See, light, salvation, life, hope, joy, peace are found in the Scriptures because the Scriptures are God's Word to us. It's sufficient for all of these things. It's sufficient for all of life. So this is critical for us to understand. It's something we can't ignore or sideline. It's not something to be put on a shelf as a decoration or a dust collector. This is God's Word to you and to me. It's not a book of information. It's the effective Word of God that makes us wise to salvation, that's profitable for for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness, as Paul says here. And we'll talk more about that next week. Now, you may be thinking this morning, okay, this is great and all, but how can we use the Bible itself to confirm that the Bible is God's actual words to us? That it's inspired, that it's without error, that seems circular to me. And in some senses, you're right. But what we have here is a matter of what we call first principles. And first principles are kind of the building blocks of our worldview and our basis of belief. In his book, Taking God at His Word, Pastor Kevin DeYoung says this, You can't establish the supreme authority of your supreme authority by going to some lesser authority. Yes, the logic is circular, but no more so than the secularist defending reason by reason, or the scientist touting the authority of science based on science. He goes on to say this, This doesn't mean that Christians can be irrational or unreasonable in their views, but it does mean our first principle is neither rationality nor reason. We go to the Bible to learn about the Bible because to judge the Bible by any other standard would be to make the Bible less than what it claims to be, the very Word of God. Theologian J.I. Packer says Scripture itself is alone competent to judge our doctrine of Scripture. And our doctrine of Scripture, what doctrine means is just our belief. What do we believe about Scripture? Our belief about Scripture is Paul's belief about Scripture, which is Jesus' belief about Scripture, that it is the inspired Word of God. Now, there are a lot of right and good questions to ask about the Bible. How do we come up with the 66 books that we have? Is the Bible that we have today really reliable? Those are all good things to ask, and we're not going to have time to get into those this morning. But in that DeYoung book that I mentioned, he has a list of resources that address some of those things. And again, I'll tell you more about that in our announcement time. But listen, here's what we need to understand this morning. We can trust in the Word of God. We can trust in the reliability of the Scriptures because of its source. God is the author, and the character of God is perfect and holy and righteous. God does not speak falsely or act falsely about anything. He doesn't lie. He doesn't deceive. He is pure in who he is and all that he does. So what we look at in verses 14 and 15, when when Paul says, look, the scriptures make you wise unto salvation through Christ, that hinges on the beginning of verse 16. Timothy, continue what you know and what you've learned in the scriptures It leads to salvation, and it can do that because it's God's word to you. The God of all creation has said that that is true. See, Scripture is sufficient to know God and understand ourselves. It's truthful and trustworthy because of the source. Uh, When my mom calls, sometimes she leaves leaves a voicemail, and it's usually about the same seven or eight second voicemail. And, And she'll just say something sometimes along the lines of, hey, this is your mother, Now, there's some authority in that, right? I mean, my mom's not a dictator. She's not an authoritarian, but she's my mama. And when mama calls, you better call her back. Take her words seriously. And in most cases, that's all she's asking is just to return her phone call. But because of the source, I take seriously the content of the message. 
I take seriously the content of the message. In the Scriptures, God is saying to us, this is your God. This is your God. I mean, can we even fathom that? Like, the transcendent God of all creation, the eternal God of all creation, who's high and lifted up, who's other than we are, has spoken to us. What a gift. Yet oftentimes we we flippantly refer to the Bible. We stick it on our shelves. We don't seek after it, understanding the richness of what this is. All Scripture is breathed out by God. He's purposefully and intentionally said what He said in this book for us, for our joy, for life, for salvation. It's amazing. See, Paul's definitive statement is that Scripture, the Bible, is the definitive Word of God. In other words, and to put it more simply, what Scripture says, God says. See, because, because of this, brothers and sisters, this, this truth and this reality, we need to be reminded of it over and over again. We need to come back to it over and over again because, like we said, this world is so distracting. It's so distracting. We can be reading our Bible on our, our iPad or our phone, and then we get a text message or an app, or we think about, we've got to check the score. What time is the national championship game on tomorrow night? We, we were so easily distracted to other things, yet we don't realize and we forget the reality. This is God's Word spoken directly to you, given to you for your joy. We so often forget. We need to be reminded of this over and over again. We need to come back to it over and over again, to God's Word as a church, as a family, as individuals, because the definitive Word of God and the culmination of all that God says comes in and through His Son, our Savior. See, in Genesis chapter 1, like we said, God spoke the world into creation. In John chapter 1, we learn that Jesus is the very Word of God. That in and through Him all the world was created. And through Him light and life come. And in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the author of Hebrews says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, he says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. For all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. Then Paul says, That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Or put it, to put it even more simply, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You see, sojourn, if Jesus is the definitive word of God, then when we come to the scriptures, we're coming to Jesus, who's our hope, who's our peace, our Savior, our Lord. He instructs us by the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit to make us more and more like himself and to behold the glory of God more and more. And as we do that, to be transformed, to be more and more like his son. Sojourn, God is not silent and God is not distant. He has spoken to us through his word, which means he has spoken to us ultimately and definitively through his son. We can trust the Bible because of its ultimate author, the eternal living God. And I hope that's encouraging to you this morning. It's encouraging to me as I've reflected on it this week. But here's the deal, as I was thinking about this week and thinking about the reason we're even doing this series, as we all, all often know and hate to even admit, we, we struggle with this still. We struggle to come to the Word of God. We struggle to submit ourselves to it, to see it for what it really is. And I was thinking about what are all the reasons for that? 
And I think really there's a myriad of reasons for it. But I think we can boil it down into two main reasons. Two main reasons we struggle with this. Familiarity and unfamiliarity. See, for a lot of us in this room this morning, the Bible is familiar to us. Now, let, let, me, let me clarify what I mean by that. I don't necessarily mean that we know the content of the Bible really well, but we're extremely familiar with it. Maybe like Timothy, we grew up being taught about it and its contents. We know the stories very well. Countless times we've heard them from our parents, maybe, or from a Sunday school class. Then there are others of us here that we really do know the Bible. We, we understand it. There's a familiarity of it because we've spent time studying it. And maybe in college you really started to take seriously studying the Scriptures. Or, or someone sat down with you and walked you through how to study the Bible. And, and you really started to grab onto that. Or you got plugged into a solid church that preached the Scriptures. And you, you really started to understand more of the Bible. But see, I think the problem that I've realized in my own life is because of the familiarity I have with the Scriptures... Because they're so familiar to me, they often lose their power in my life. It can be rote practice to read and study and reread and restudy. I know what Romans 8 says. I've read the whole Bible multiple times. I know both the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. I've read the Gospels, the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection many times. But I am often not in awe of what I'm reading. And I'm not even talking again about content here. I'm talking about the sheer fact that in my hand, between a nice piece of leather, in my own language, are the very words that I can read from my eternal, all-knowing, ever-present God. I mean, that's just struck me this week. All Scripture is breathed out by God. That God has spoken to us. So oftentimes, though, my familiarity with it, I can read it, be thankful for it and put it away and not really see its power materialize in my life. I struggle to remember and realize truly how significant that truth is in my day-to-day life. See, in our current culture, we prize novelty. We, we prize it. We, we like for things to be new and changing and innovative and exciting. Sometimes we like to change just for change's sake. But we struggle then with mundane, with normal, with regular, with unchanging Those things are kind of so passe to us. We don't like that. But see, in Paul's culture, novelty wasn't prized. It had very little value. It it was what was longstanding and unchanging and everlasting that was prized and valued. And in this case, it's the eternal Word of God that has stood the test of time and fads and innovative and creative ways to do life and even to do church. See, the familiarity of the Bible was not a detriment to Paul, it was a treasure. It was a treasure. See, I I don't need to seek truth or or life or validation or approval in or from anyone or anything else because God has spoken to me through his word. And in it, he tells me I'm dearly loved and I'm accepted, that I'm his and he is mine, that I'm a work in progress who he's not yet finished working on or in, that his power is made perfect in my weakness, that his grace is sufficient for me, that he is God and there is no other. God speaks that to me. He says that to me in His Word, in His Scriptures. And He says that to you too. See, I think the other reason we struggle sometimes with the Scriptures as we think about them and approach them is also because of unfamiliarity. Because often, if we're honest, we're simply unfamiliar with God's Word, so we don't know its power in our life. We may be unfamiliar with it because we don't take it seriously. We never take the time 
and put forth the effort to approach and become familiar with it. And so we seek after other things for joy and life that seem easier or quicker or more satisfying. We're far too easily pleased. We may be unfamiliar with the scriptures, though, because we don't truly know the God who wrote them. Maybe you're here this morning, again, just checking out this whole God, church, Jesus thing. And again, let me just say this morning, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. But let me ask you a question. Will you take up and read God's word and what God says to you? For some of you this morning, I think you might know about the living God, but you don't actually know him. In God's word is life, the message of your hope, of your joy, of what salvation really and truly looks like. Will you take up and read God's word to you. But as you do that, as all of us do that, we have to submit ourselves fully and completely to the whole of the scriptures because as one pastor says, you can't pick and choose what parts of the Bible you want to listen to and what you don't or it loses all of its power. If you make yourself the arbiter of what you will and will not believe, it's a precarious position to be in. Will you take it up and read it? All scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God. Sojourn, the Bible is God's definitive word. So let me ask you, whether you are familiar with it or unfamiliar with it, whether we claim to know Christ or you don't know Christ, are you listening to God's word? Will you take it up and read? Last Sunday, uh, my family was a little late getting to the service. Uh, It's difficult for my wife to get out the door with three kids. Uh, who are five and a half and two and five months old. I'm here early, and so it's just challenging for her to get. So she was running a little late, and, and they got here and kind of rushed out uh, the door, and uh, I was standing in the back waiting for them to get here. I checked the kids in, and so I had their stickers and all that fun stuff. But as we got here, my son Owen, uh, uh, he he forgotten his Bible, and... Um, we bought him a Bible for Christmas, and, and we've read through the Jesus Storybook Bible, and it's phenomenal. You should, you should read it, even as an adult. I think I've said that before. I'm serious. We've read the Big Picture Story Bible, and it's really, really good, too. But this Christmas said, you know what? He's starting to learn to read, and so we bought him a, a, a real Bible with all the texts of the Scriptures in there, and he was really upset. He was crying that he had forgotten this Bible. And I don't think he quite understands that the significance of what he forgot. I don't think he quite understands yet that this is God's definitive word to him, his very word to him. But I pray and I hope that he will always have such angst over the scriptures, that he will be broken when God's word is not present in his life. That from a young age, that he, like Timothy, will be familiar with God's word. That he will cherish the Bible. That his God's word will make him wise into salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And I want that same thing for you. I want it for myself as well. That we would have angst over God's word. That we would see it as so valuable in our life because we truly believe that all scripture is breathed out by God. Man, what a gift to us. What a gift to us. John Wesley was a pastor and writer in the 18th century, and he said this, I am a creature of a day. I am a spirit come from God and returning to God. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven. God himself has condescended to teach me the way. He has written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book. At any price, give me that book. 
Let me be a man of one book. Man, may that be our cry. May the fact that we live in a culture where it's so easy for us to have the Bible in our own language and many different translations on our iPhones and our iPads that we can buy it, that we're handing them out to you today. Let that not be lost on us. May we be a people of one book. With all the distractions of life, brothers and sisters, continue in what brings life. Continue and become. Let's become a people of the word. Because in this word is life and power and the way to heaven. Because this word is the very word of God. Amen. As we come to the table today, we come having been reminded from God's word the way of salvation that comes in and through Christ alone. That he lived a perfect life that he died a sacrificial and substitutionary death in your place, that he rose again in triumph over Satan's sin and death. And every week we come to the table to eat and drink the bread, eat and drink the, the bread and the cup, to be refreshed in our hearts and our minds, to be reminded of what God has done, that he's made a way for us. And the reason we know that, the reason we come to the table is because God's words instructs us to. So as you come to the table this morning, rejoice in the gift of grace that has been given to you in and through the written definitive word of God and the reality that all of the promises of God culminate in and through his son, our Savior. All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus, whose body was broken for you, whose blood was shed for you. As you come forward this morning, as we continue to sing, let that be your amen. And if you're not a follower of Christ, we would just ask you this morning not to come forward. Because eating this bread and drinking this cup does not save you. It's a testimony of what Christ has done for you. And so we don't want you to come forward to take the bread and drink the cup if you haven't taken Christ yet. So I want to just beg you this morning, if you don't yet know Christ, if you even just know about him but don't actually know him, would you cry out to God this morning? Would you ask him to save you today? Trusting in Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, believing that Jesus had to die for you so that you could know God. So hang out in your seat, pray, ask God to do that. Come and ask any of our leaders to pray with you. Go to a community group, get plugged in in this church. We want to journey with you in this. And those of you that will come forward, you can come to the front or head to the back and tear off a piece of bread and take a small cup. And what Jesus, the living word of God, has done for you will be spoken over you this morning. Sojourn, let's pray. Father, my prayer this morning is very simple. I pray first off, or thank you first off, Lord, that you've given us your word. I thank you, God, that you saw fit in your infinite knowledge and wisdom, not only to speak creation into existence, but to speak a very specific word to us, to tell us about yourself, to tell us about our deep need for you and, and to be rescued and restored and redeemed. So Lord, we thank you that all scripture is breathed out by you and that we can know you through your word. Lord, my second part of my prayer is simply this. Would you make us a people of the word? Would you make us a people of the word? May this church be marked by being a people of your word, that we so love you because we love your word, that it would truly transform our hearts, our minds, the way we live our lives, not to have a bunch of knowledge in our heads, but to become more and more like your son. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you love and care for us. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.